we had for a long time, we had this privacy doesn't matter, privacy is dead, mm-hmm. yep. who cares? And, you know, we were all clicking on the on those banners from, from the privacy. Mm-hmm. However, I think the the goal, which wasn't maybe expressed as such, but the goal of those is awareness. You know, you click on those banners and now everyone knows there are there's a thing like cookies and they can track you. Welcome to The Wired Wick, demystifying tech law trends and educating about law in tomorrow's society. Hello and welcome back to The Wired Wig. My name is Annabelle Pemberton and in this week's episode I spoke to Tobias Breutigam about the recent Schrems 2 case that was heard by the European Court of Justice on the 16th of July 2020. Tobias is Senior Counsel at Bird and Bird and also the Head of Data Protection and Privacy for Finland in the firm. He's also a lecturer at the University of Helsinki, teaching information technology law and also teaching the module Artificial Intelligence and the Law, which was running when I did my Erasmus in Helsinki at the time. During this episode, you're going to find out more what drew Tobias to the interaction between law and technology as a subject. And then we're going to be going into an analysis of the Schrems 2 case, providing context of how this case is operating, the impact it's going to have on businesses, and the impact it's going to have on society as a whole. We wanted to make sure this episode was really accessible for both lawyers and non-lawyers, so we really hope that all the terms are explained in an adequate way. Just to give you a very, very quick introduction to the case of Schrems 2, the case is concerning the international transfer of data because under GDPR, it is actually illegal to transfer data internationally unless you have certain mechanisms in place. Enjoy the episode, and if you have any questions, please do feel free to reach out via the Wired Wig Instagram. So Tobias, thank you for joining me today on the Wired Wig. It's a pleasure to have you here and to talk to you a bit about the Scrums 2 case. What interests you around data protection and the interaction between law and technology? Um, I'm fascinated by it because I think it's it's actually the, the area of law which develops most, um, as, mm-hmm. as we have seen from 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 the last few years where it you know developed from a niche area to really something which is central to companies to business um i also like uh technology in general um since a child my my father was an engineer okay um and, and my mother was a or a teacher and i know in a way i i also teach technology law or so it, mm-hmm. it kind of combines the two very much and i like to figure things out um, myself, uh, in, in a way. So um, it's always the thing I'm, I'm proudest of that I managed to repair a washing machine <laughs> and not, not all the rest I've done, but that's, that's, that's kind of, I really like to tinker with that and, 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 you know, and it was, it's really satisfying in a way. And with law and technology, with the clients, you always also has to have to understand, what the technology, because it's it's easy to say no or yes, uh, but then it's also very easy to be wrong later if you don't understand what they're doing. 
Yes, absolutely. And I, I met Tobias when I was studying in Helsinki and you were teaching me um, AI and the law. And before that point, I'd never really considered law to really intersect with technology in that way. And it really just changed um, how I considered the interaction. So thank you for that as well, because it completely changed my mindset. Uh, and I think it, in law in general, it would be great if more uh, students had that opportunity to really consider the interaction as well because it really engages a different side of your brain I feel as yeah. well overall. absolutely agree and I, and I think law is taught far too much um, on an abstract level only and mm -hmm. um, uh, it's changing a little bit but I mean that that's how it used to be whereas I see law more like medicine you can't really do medicine without the patient Yes. Right. You, you have, you know, it's always related. And in medicine, the teaching over people who practice, um, I'm, I'm not sure if always is actually the correct word or, or it should be often. But I mean, like in the most parts, they also are doctors in hospitals, whereas in law, that's not necessarily the case. Um, and one is always viewed with a little bit of suspicion there um you know i'm i'm also a lawyer with with bird and bird where we run the data protection practice in helsinki and of course there i'm probably the academic whereas in the in the in the in the, in the faculty i'm like the super practical person mm -hmm. um still the same person though um but it's just a different perspective and i i like that and i, I you know i think it's the the way to go um, yes in that field yes. No, absolutely. And and can you imagine, what sort of changes do you imagine to happen in data protection law and this sort of field of technology and the law in the next five to 10 years? Because it's definitely rapidly changing, at least from my experience. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I believe it will, will go the same way as European law um, mm -hmm. did. So there they used to be a period where European law was was a real niche subject for uh, maybe not crazy people, but like very um, theoretical people who did something that wasn't relevant for us. And then it became an expertise field, um, something where, where people were paid pretty good fees to, to advise on it because it was relevant when everyone knew it. And then it became table stakes. So everyone has to know about European law and European law is national law. You know, the, the regulation applies, the data, general data protection regulation is the law in Finland, is the law um, in, in, in Germany or in, in, in the Czech Republic, where, you, where I think you are at the moment. So, yes. um, so you can't say I'm not doing European laws. It's absolutely ridiculous. I think data protection will go the same way. We're, we're still, I think, at the expert phase. Um, uh, and there was this niche phase also where like people gather and they all knew each other. I remember from the first conferences I intended, it felt like a community, you knew everyone. And now you go to this big IPP, International Association of Privacy yes. Professionals conferences. And it's like, I felt like I know, I don't know anyone here. How can mm -hmm. that be? I used to know everyone. And, and, and so, because it, it grows and, and, and this is a good thing. Um, and I think we'll see this reflected on the curriculum also at universities. Yes. Um, and if possible, I think we should all push for, for that more and students should be vocal about it because those are the, the jobs of the future. Um, and, you know, some, some faculties are better than others to react to that. Um, but I haven't seen it included you know if we call it data protection law or i actually prefer information law as, as mm -hmm. a broader field you know access to yes. information as a you know similar like like property law um as, as as the subject is defined i haven't seen this officially included in curricula yet 
Um, I, but, but, you know, it, it, there are more and more courses offered, of course. Yes, actually, during my final year at Warwick, there was data protection law as a module offered, um, but it was just narrowly, just data protection law, not mm. information law, which now I'm actually practicing. It isn't as useful as it could be because mm. you you know these specifics, but then that's not how it works in practice. Yeah. And you need to know the other context. And in terms of like the practical implications in with data protection law, do you think it will become more prevalent in society, people caring more about their data as well over the next five to 10 years? Yes, I actually believe so. And, and I think it's a great question because you, we had for a long time, we had this privacy doesn't matter, privacy is dead, mm-hmm. yep. who cares? And, you know, we were all clicking on the, on those banners from, from the privacy. Mm-hmm. However, I think the the goal, which wasn't maybe expressed as such, but the goal of those is awareness. You know, you click on those banners and now everyone knows there are there's a thing like cookies and they can track you. It's yes. like, you know, exactly. that's the function of it. It isn't a function that you're super educated about, about a particular website, but you are, you are educated about the whole. So um, I think that that will spread. Um, also in terms of enforcement, if you look, you know, you have this question about the the, the, the few years in the next five to ten years i think we'll see a lot more enforcement those will be prominent cases as the one we we had uh yesterday uh and they they will be discussed they will be discussed in all the media um i mean from the boulevard uh, to the um you know quality press they have an article on trams uh today so everyone's reading this it was on the radio this morning um Mm -hmm. and i mean this you know if you think about this 10 years ago this is an artist really technical case about you know uh, uh, something called standard contractual clauses Mm -hmm. and now and now we have it in the you know general radio and in the main news it's it's fantastic yes and it's great because of course um so just start to move into scrams into the case itself the fact that it's coming from society as well so it's um, been initiated by a by a law student I, i believe and the fact that uh that's so in the public eye I think is fantastic because it's such a relevant case to everyone's life like everyone has uh, a profile online everyone can understand what Facebook is so it's not one company you haven't heard about against another company it's actually applicable to to people's lives and it is it is really important in this episode today we're going to be discussing more about the Schrems 2 case um Mm -hmm. and the judgment was delivered yesterday on july the 16th so if you're listening to this podcast episode uh we're recording this the day after so tobias would you be able to give us an overall insight into the judgment that was delivered yesterday Yes, Annabelle. Uh, it, it's a tough one because it's a long judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> but, but, but in a nutshell, it, it, it's about international data transfers. Um, and maybe the starting point is uh, for, for the listeners to know that uh, transfers of personal data from the European economic area, so it's basically the EU uh, and a couple of countries, outside um, is illegal. That's the starting point. Yes. Unless there's a mechanism that allows um, the transfer, and there are several mechanisms. They are they're regulated in the in the GDPR, and they had been in the in the directive that was applicable before. Um, amongst those um, mechanisms, there is the privacy shield. There's the standard contractor clause, also referred as model clauses, and and then there is something like the adequacy ruling of the. 
commission. So the commission looks at countries, um, 12 countries at, at the moment, and says, well, okay, looking at the protections you give citizens and so on, we believe this is essentially equal to the level of protection which we have in Europe. And in yep. those cases, you can just transfer the data, the personal data to the, to those uh, particular countries. There's, there's, there's not too many, and some of them are really small. There, there's some in South America, there, and then, but then there's really like also things like the, the Isle of Man or something like really, really mm-hmm. tiny um, territories. Um, okay, so th- those are the mechanisms. Now, yesterday, the court said, and and actually without being asked directly, that one of those mechanisms, namely the privacy shield, is no longer a valid mechanism, which raises the question, okay, what is this privacy shield? What it makes it different from the other mechanisms? Okay, it, it is different in so far as it is a special deal for the United States. Um, all the other mechanisms they apply, you know, whether you transfer data to China or to um, uh, Brazil or wherever, the Privacy Shield only works for a transfer from data to the United States, and it's a self-certification mechanism. So a company in the United States will say, uh, "Looks good. Maybe we have a privacy program. You know, we analyze everything. We're self." certifying that we are compliant. And then there is a framework um, with an ombudsman and, um, you know, there's a redress possibility and so forth. So the whole framework um, where where a citizen could go. The court yesterday said, well, it's true there is those framework. It's true there's an ombudsman. It's, It's, you know, there are all kinds of statements. However, if you look at the Charter of Fundamental Rights, um, and we look at, um, in, in particular, individual rights. What could an individual whose data is transferred, some of the listeners' data, maybe using Facebook, um, data is tra- transferred to the United States, what could they do? And says, well, there are those programs um, we've heard from, from um, Edward Snowden also about PRISM and Upstream, where there is an authorization for bulk collection. And that's yes. the key word, the bulk collection. And what it means is there isn't an individual decision, okay, we need your data because we suspect something or we want to look into this terrorist case or so. No, mm-hmm. we collect it just as a bulk. Um, and as um, former um, head of the NSA, the National Security Agency said, you need a haystack to find a needle. It basically means we just collect as much as we can. Yes. And then occasionally we find something. It's basically a big data approach uh, to anti-terrorism work. Um, from the law enforcement side, I think this is lo- fantastic. From the mm-hmm. you know fundamental rights side, this is terrible. Yes. Um, you know, you know, because you have no individual uh, analysis and and data protection is a fundamental right in Europe. And this is what the court noticed, and therefore they invalidated the privacy shield. That was the first. Um, aspect. Yes. And I'm just thinking just to sort of bring that into the, like a practical example, having a bulk collection of data is in my head anyway, the equivalent of several people going through screening in an airport, for example, and taking all of those people to one side because there's just one person who you suspect. Yeah. So basically you you suspect to find something with one person, but you collect the data from mm-hmm. everyone. Exactly. And, and and maybe for the listener, because there, there are always people who say, well, I don't see what's so bad about it because I, you know, I'm, I'm yes. not building a bomb or something. Mm-hmm. That, that is right. But 
over and over and over, it has been shown that this data is misused, that law enforcement, either individual actors, and those are huge agencies, right? And in, in this area with access, there, there are hundreds of thousands of people that, that can look at those data in different levels. Um, so it's, it's not like that, that there's, you know, a handful who, who, who will manage that. Now that's, so and maybe one or very likely one of those hundred thousand maybe has some money problems, maybe has been compromised by another secret service and, and can use this data. Maybe it's not a secret service, maybe it's a um, criminal organization even. Um, or that's, that's scenario number one or scenario number two is, just got lazy and and they're not very good with up keeping up and securing the data and their data leakage and we see this also all the time that our mm -hmm. authorities leak that there's just a recent leak in finland where um when you register a company basically you, ha you have to submit a passport uh, copy they leak this on the internet so uh, actually from from many people in, in high position you have the passport you used to have it's now closed and uh, the passport number picture and you could you of course open an airbnb account with this you know oh, you, yes. you have good cameras you can you know use this as id who you are can open all kinds of things and it happens all the time. That, that, that is the point. And there's a real danger of that. And so we want to minimize data. And that uh, has been for the last 30 or so years, the standard in Europe, minimize data. When we were first like, thinking about questions to, to discuss during this interview, um, before the judgment was actually held, we were really thinking about focusing on standard contractual clauses because that was what a lot of the literature around this case was about. And then the judgment came yesterday and it was more about the privacy shield. But could, could you explain a, a bit about how a standard contractual clause is typically used? And also, I would actually be really interested to hear whether you think this is going to affect the um, validity of standard contractual clauses as well or whether they're just not related to this case mm. in that way. Yeah. So th this is a really fascinating one. And let, let me answer by first explaining what the uh, standard contractual clause are. Absolutely. Thank and, you. And then go through the decision of the court leading up and then what they said, actually. So standard contractual clause are standard contracts, as in, you know, you have to use them as such. You can't change the actual text, um, which a so-called data exporter company in Europe uh, uses um, as in an exporter role, typically a controller role in data protection, the one that determines the purpose and means of the processing with an importer, wherever, let's say in the United States, but it could, could also be anywhere. Um, okay. Um, and those have been in use like super often. They have been like the standard thing you do and they have been uh, even even with with transfers within the company and a group of companies you use them I, I did them several times at my time at Nokia and, and Microsoft so this is what I had to do um, okay to be honest I think in the in the in data protection practitioners no one read those too closely I, I mean I'm I read them but it's like you're like thinking well I mean they're stand I, I can't change them. Mm -hmm. they're, yes. they're basically, if it's not the privacy shield or the predecessor that was called Safe Harbor, um, if it's not that one, I mean, I have to use them. More. So, I mean, there, there are some other options here binding corporate rules and so, but for most cases, you're, you're stuck with the clauses. Okay. Now, what the, the court did in its analysis um, was to say, mm, let, me, let, let me first think about if an supervisor authority, like the Irish Data Protection Authority, 
um, if they can actually rule an instrument like the standard contractor clauses or the private shield as uh, invalid. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, they couldn't actually do that if there was an adequacy finding. Okay. Because that's the finding by the um, this one, like those those twelve good countries we mentioned, is um, Uruguay and and and, and so on, um, where where, where you know data trends can can be, take place. And this is a commission decision. They can't do this. They they can raise concerns about whether they should actually be on the list. Now, what is the privacy shield? The privacy shield is in a way giving adequacy to the United States in in this you know, in this framework. And so the, the, so the supervisor authority, and that was actually the core of the matter, cannot in itself invalidate the, the privacy shield. They're obliged to analyze and, and to raise concerns, but they can't invalidate. So the court did that. And then as a next step, they said, well, now, okay, what about the clauses? Because mm-hmm. um, maybe they didn't say it in exactly those words, but, but actually we have the same underlying country where the data is going. Mm-hmm. You know, so you could use, you know, before you used the privacy shield for the transfers to the United States. Now you use the model clauses for, for that. Um, and the court then went through the clauses in, in quite detailed, actually more analysis than I have uh, ever seen. And um, that's a good part, I think, of the of the judgment, um, which, which can be criticized from 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 various angles, but but here, and they said, okay, here it says, if you can't fulfill it anymore, you know, in Article 4, 5G, you have to tell. And, and one, it says, you know, you have to inform. And if, if there's sensitive data and, and you can't f- fulfill the obligation, you have to tell the individuals about it. And, oh, and then after fi- going through the mechanisms, the, the court said, hey, um, actually, this is a flexible instrument. Um, it might be that you're using the clauses and you have not sufficient safeguards. In this case, you can't use them as a transfer commitment. But it might also be you use the clauses, and there are those, you know, ways how you can, um, you know, screws. You 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 can tighten or open or valves. You can uh, tighten or open safeguards. Um, and so the the clauses are okay. Um, so we do not declare the clauses invalid. Um, but. A, it's the controller's obligations, so the exporter of the data, to to look at the at the particular implementation of um in the very specific case and and look at the safeguards. And B, it's then the supervisor authority, as in the data protection authorities, mm-hmm. um, yes. to say, ah, yeah, you say you looked at it, but this doesn't seem to be right. And this is very likely to happen with Facebook. That then it, the case will go back um, to the to the Irish High Court, and then the um, the Data Protection Commission in Ireland will, will be entitled to say, actually, if you rely on the clauses, you know, privacy shield is out, so you rely on the clause. Um, I don't believe you have the sufficient safeguards here, and yes. that is something they can do now. Absolutely, and and do you think there will be any effect on binding corporate rules, codes of conduct, or? Um, I suppose not certificates, but any of the other safeguards mm. that are in place as well to protect the transfer of, of data internationally. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a complicated answer. So in, in, in the sense <laughs> that um, I think there shouldn't be, but it, it obviously there will be. And let okay. me, let me open that a little bit. Great. Um, so in, in a way, you know, the, the, the problem with the judgment is that they say several times, um, okay, 
you should look at whether there is sufficient safeguards and so on. But what should the safeguards be? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, if you, if you transfer the data, it's over. You can, you can encrypt it in transfer, which you should. Um, and there were programs, um, according to the Snowden revelation and something that has also been confirmed, where they look at data in you know between data centers that has not been encrypted and so on. Okay, so a standard measure, you should encrypt the data in transfer. Good. But then it's in the United States, and the whole purpose of it is going to be processed there. And for the processing moment, mm-hmm. it cannot be encrypted. It's, it's I think, theoretically possible, you know, um, to do that, but not in real life and not in, that's not the business case yet. The business case is that it's cheap. Um, so encryption wouldn't really help you because the, um, the warrant um, or, or the request from the law enforcement uh, agency would, would go to Facebook then to provide the data. So, I mean, theoretically, the whole model clause are more flexible. You know, they, they have all those, uh, I call them screws, where you can a little bit tighten things and so on. Um, and they have information obligations. So, in, in theory, very, very well. In practice, not so well. So, um, this should mean there should be other transfer mechanisms like the binding corporate rules, which is a compliance program. And I think those are great programs. We have several clients. We actually had the first one in Finland um, uh, submitting such an application and um, very, very interesting and a good compliance program. But the underlying problem remains, will then the client be forced to give the data? Mm-hmm. And, and yes. they're kind of stuck in the middle. So, and the same, same applies for code of conduct where we, we don't really have one with, um, which, which addresses international data transfers, um, which has been accepted. So the, the several which are on the pipeline, but none of them uh, has been used now for, for specifically international data transfers. So the same applies. The problem remains, what do you do if the law, law enforcement comes knocking? Because there, there are penalties on that. And I mean, it's not that the, or I mean, it, it, at least it's not the reason that they give out the data because they're evil. It's the reason that they fear the the um, sanctions from from law mm-hmm. enforcement in the United States. Yes, no, absolutely. So overall, this has been the the judgment itself. But what what is going to be the business impact of the privacy shield through the judgment basically being? Would you say it's being completely ruled out as as a mechanism that can be used? What impact would this have on businesses? Yeah, so all those that relied on the privacy shield, they have to find immediately uh, mm-hmm. a new way to transfer. This is not unprecedented. The same happened with the safe harbor like five years ago, yes. but it's in the mm-hmm. Shams one. So, and then it also has been without a transition period. What's probably going to happen is that, um, you know, and let's see when the podcast is published, but um, <laughs> that the, the data protection authorities will will, ha- will give some transition period. And they, of course they can't contradict the court, but they can say that we'll focus on enforcement after the blah, 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 you know, first yes. off. Now, what does it mean for the model clauses? Yeah, that's that's where I have problems with the judgment because I'm I have real sympathy for for our clients. I mean, we have, have a lot of big clients, but we also have like smaller clients in Finland, tech companies. What should they do? I mean, is mm-hmm. um, I studied this like for fifteen years, and I'm I, now I wouldn't say I know 
I mean, definitely not everything, but not even like <laughs> half of it. You know, they're, they're, this is so complex area. Now having a business owner make a decision on the system of, of surveillance in the United States, I, I don't think they can do that. Yes. Um, so we'll have huge impact for, for business. They probably are best advised to use the, the standard contractual clauses and contact their cloud service provider uh, and, and you know, ask for... for for statements on how they protect the data mm -hmm. and then, you know, maybe probe a little bit. Um, in the end, the, it will have to mean that those big um, cloud service provider like Microsoft and Amazon, they shift part of their business in other locations. It doesn't necessarily have to be Europe, but it, Europe, but it could be um, also Asia. Um, so that, that this transfer with the, to the United States is, is, um, is stopped there or only when it's really needed. There's also um, provisions in GDPR for, for, for this case, meaning that, um, you know, with consent, you, you can you can allow singular transfers, but that's not the bulk mm -hmm. transfers we were talking about with Facebook and so on. Microsoft has already, I think, reacted and has already offers. Um, I'm sure others will follow suit. Um, it will be hard to ramp up the capacity as, as those uh, data centers are huge investments. Uh, it, it doesn't happen in, in a minute. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And just to flip it over on, onto the other side, what will be the impact on society from this case? Do you think there'll be um, sort of a response from Facebook saying how they still maintain the protection of everyone who uses Facebook's services, the protection of their data, because this has been in the public eye? Or do you think there isn't going to be any sort of response from companies? And actually, um, while this affects businesses and lawyers, it might not trickle down to have a society impact. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they will all issue statements. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have huge communications department. They have huge legal departments. This is, I mean, for, for sure. But what will they actually do? Um, and yes. what does that then mean? Um, they can potentially try to shift the data. They, they will need investment, which is hard now, uh, you know, as anyway, business isn't going that well. So they'll have to see where they cut costs. So we'll probably see some jump job losses uh, or reshifting of priorities. Um, what, what I'm a little bit worried about and thinking about is businesses in Europe, they didn't transfer the, the data to the United States because they love the United States. They, they did it because it was cheap. And, yes. and the, the value proposition is fantastic. If you think we, you and I, we could now decide, let, let, we'll have a startup, you know, with registers, and then we, we go to Amazon basically in, in, in 20 minutes, exactly. we, we have the storage there. And mm -hmm. It basically costs nothing. With, with Google Cloud Platform, it's based in, yeah. in the US and with Amazon Web Services, mm. um, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky to avoid it. Um, yeah. So if that option, you know, if, if, if now and then now we... We're probably very interested in Lawn Tech. We know that, but many many people know this. That it's really easy. You know, don't don't worry about the storage. You know, that, that can be stored. And you can. It's not just like, oh, cloud is always storage. But you can have certain programs that that you buy with it automatically mm -hmm. in the package. Mm -hmm. You get the whole infrastructure, and, and so on. there might be even basic, um, you know, programs which help you run your service there. Yes. It's all there as a package. You don't have to program that. It's all there. It's a fantastic value that that those U.S. companies provide to us. Um, and now I'm worried most about this, that then people say, 
oh yeah, well, we can use this and this, but yeah, it's kind of expensive and it's, you know, you have to fill out all the paperwork and, and it, that it stifles innovation. And, and of course the answer is, well, if done well, it doesn't. Well, that's true. But yes. everyone had a chance to do it well, right? The last 10 years, we haven't yes, seen it exactly. really. So exactly. in, 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 in German, we say nothing is eaten as hot as it, as it, as it cooked. Um, it's like a, mm-hmm. a metaphor, meaning that, you know, now we're all excited about the Schrems 2 judgment. Yes, and, yes. Uh, and let's see what the influence really is. But it, but it could have very severe um, impact on Europe and on innovation in Europe. Yeah, it leaves us all in in the community a little bit, you know, we don't really know what to do. And I mean, uh, so we will have to figure this out. And the problem, there's going to be guidance from the European Data Protection Board. And that's what, what everyone is hoping for. I mean, it remains to be very, very interesting to stay in this area of law and technology. Yes, no, definitely. And it's changing all the time because I've only, I've only really been aware or in data protection law for two years. And it's, it's fascinating how fast um, the advice around it and the law itself is is adapting. But that's really good to see because law typically lags behind innovation, at least from, mm. from what I've seen. And um, it is good to see it's moving at a faster pace in this Yeah. Way. I'm teaching again this uh, fall a course called mm-hmm. Foundations of Information Law. And um, I mean, all will have to change again a third of the the judgments at least um, to make room for the new ones, so not to overburden the students, and also the articles and everything. So, and this has been the case ever since 2013 when I first taught it. So, like, it's always a third about going out. Yes, it's. it's uh, but I mean, I like that, and I mean, it's, it's probably good for people. You know, if you want to get into this area uh, uh, it's good to know that this is required you need to follow this the whole time you you can't charge that your company might not understand that this is an area where we really have to do a lot of reading yes Um, absolutely but you can't really in my view call call yourself an expert in this is if if, if you don't spend a lot of time on Mm self-education absolutely i i have a slot in my calendar every morning where i check if there's been any new finds, if there's been any new cases and developments, because I just see it as an integral part of my job and I don't have my finger on the pulse of, of the subject. And it's really important in this area, for sure. Well, thank you for coming onto the podcast and talking talking to me further about SHREMS. And I think this has provided a really good oversight and hopefully it hasn't been too technical for our listeners as well. Uh, but I found it really interesting. So thank you. Thank you, Annabelle. It was a great pleasure. Annabelle Pemberton and you have just listened to the Wide Wig podcast available on Spotify, iTunes and Apple Podcasts. As always, if you liked what you just heard, be sure to follow this account on Spotify and follow the Wide Wig on Instagram for the latest tech law news and updates.